0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Guiding Truth series, which is based out of 1st Timothy. It is our hope that this series would help you in your walk with God. Please let us know how God impacted you through these messages. Well, 1 Timothy chapter two this morning, that's where we're going to be. And if you've been here, we've been, of course, just coming back to our series, Guiding Truths. And we're studying out the book of 1 Timothy. And uh, if you've been through our series at all, you'll recall a few of these things I'm about to say. The letter uh, The letter or epistle or book, uh, the title is 1 Timothy, written though by a man by the name of Paul. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was one that was a persecutor against uh, Jesus and against uh, biblical Christianity. He was very much against all that until he came to know Jesus as his savior for himself. And Paul started a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and understood that it wasn't religious works that could get him to heaven or uh, anything that he could do or religious uh, zeal as he he titled it. It wasn't any of that that would get him to heaven, but instead it's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so Paul, he became, he was Saul of Tarsus. His name changed to Paul. Now he's Paul the preacher, no longer Saul the persecutor but now Paul the preacher, and God would use him to start a number of churches. At one of those churches, he met a young man by the name of Timothy. This young man uh, came to know the Lord under Paul's ministry and then was trained to be a pastor. And in Acts chapter number uh, 17, 18, and 19, you find Timothy traveling with Paul as Paul's starting churches. But then in Acts chapter 19, Paul leaves a town called Ephesus, and he would leave behind, behind Timothy. He left Timothy behind to pastor the church at Ephesus. There were there now uh, a number of believers and people that had come to know the Lord as their savior in this town of Ephesus. And so Timothy is their pastor. And this, this uh, town of Ephesus, Paul knew that ministering in Ephesus was going to be a challenge. He knew that ministering in Ephesus was going to be difficult, and here's why. Of course, Ephesus at the time—if you go back and do some research—Ephesus would be a, a major trade city. There would be a lot taking place, but it would also be much like Athens and much like Corinth in the fact that it was just absolutely drenched in sinful culture. It was just dripping with sin and, and uh, immorality and false god worship. And you could go from the, uh, the temple of the goddess of Artemis or the goddess Diana is what we, she's referred to in scripture. And that temple, the temple of Diana, Diana, the temple of Artemis was one that was known for much prostitution, was known for so, so many sensual sins going along with that religion. Also, you have there in, uh, in Ephesus, it would be known for the library of Celsus. Celsus, at the time of the writing of this book, Celsus would have just been a very wise man according to worldly knowledge. And his whole thing was um, much like Gnosticism, that was the, the more knowledge you get, then knowledge helps you be closer to God. Uh, but that's not in the Bible. Now, is knowledge a bad thing? No. No. No, should we want more knowledge? There's, there's some educators in here that would tell you, yes, get more knowledge. But it wasn't the fact that Celsus was just wanting more knowledge. They were using that to try to tell people, like, if you can get more knowledge, then you could be closer to God. And, and you, you can have your Jesus, but make sure that you have knowledge. And can I just help us understand something? That it, in order for us to have a relationship with God, it is not Jesus plus anything. It is Jesus alone. It is him alone. And so that's the culture that uh, um, Paul and, excuse me, that Timothy is, is ministering to. And the church there, the whole culture just was like Athens, was enamored with anything that was new, and they just desired to live uh, in the moment and really had no thought about the future. And as Timothy's pastoring there and those believers, Paul knew this. And so he writes back to them this letter, this letter to Timothy, and the whole The whole premise of the letter is, Timothy, I wanna encourage you and I wanna encourage your church in how to live for God in a godless culture. I wanna challenge you. I I wanna help you live for God in a godless culture. And so he writes to them these guiding truths, trying to guide their heart to be closer with God and to accomplish more for God. And if you were here last week, you'll remember... The last guiding truth that we looked at was was when Paul used his life as an example of this statement that God's grace still works. With that, we just understood that God is still in the life-changing work. Man, he wants to work in every person's life to change you from the inside out. And as I said to one man many years ago, uh, the Lord never says... He never says, change, and then I'll accept you. He says, accept me, and then I will change you. What a great truth. What a great principle found in the word of God. And this is Paul. He's writing, and you can imagine why he would be writing what he wrote last week. And I won't recap the entire message. You can go back and listen to it if you want to stay up on the series. But... As Paul writes this, you can imagine Timothy and some of, the, some of the believers, because they're so entrenched in this culture of godlessness, no doubt there were some struggles of their own. No doubt they were looking maybe at a certain area of their life and wondering and thinking, God, I, I just can't get victory in this area. And God, I just feel like I'm not as close to you as I want to be. And as Timothy writes to them, 1 Timothy 1.16, he said, hey, listen, my life is an example It's an example of the long suffering and the patience and the grace of God. Timothy, listen, God's grace and power and mercy and strength is real and God wants to work in your life. What a a great promising truth for you and I because every one of us could probably look at our life and say, you know, there's this area that I I feel like I I just am on a treadmill I'm just going around and around and around. I feel like I'm not accomplishing. I feel, like I, can't, I feel like I can't get over this growth point in my Christian life. And that's where Paul would write to you and I and say, hey, God's grace and strength is there for you. His grace and power really can work in your life. The problem is sometimes we don't allow him to. You know, we know God wants us to take a step towards him and we say, no, no, not there, God. God says, you know, I want you to take this step of faith. No, 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 not that. God, I'll do anything for you except that. <laughs> and God's saying, I wanna work in your life. And that's the guiding truth he got to Timothy last week was, hey, listen, God really can transform your life. And as we come to the next passage this morning, 1 Timothy chapter two, we're gonna discover another helpful guiding truth from Paul to Timothy and to these believers at Ephesus. But before we get to it, I just wanna ask you, if you've ever been around somebody um, <clears throat> who was really good at making strong suggestions. Uh, You know, suggestions where they're trying to tell you something, but they're not telling you just flat out. I'm thinking right now of a class that I had in college and of a professor that I had, and a few others in here went to the same college. And so, uh, Dan, you might remember. Uh, His name is R.B. Yeager. That's his name, R.B. Yeager. And uh, it stands for Ruffin Beeler, Ruffin Beeler Yeager. <coughs> well, <clears throat> Professor Yeager, uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. I saw him just a couple of weeks ago. But I remember he would make strong suggestions in his class. And his suggestions would be something like this. He would get up and he wasn't necessarily um, energetic in his teaching and so he'd get up and Brother Yeager would often make strong suggestions about his upcoming test. He would say something as we would be reading through material, he'd be reading through the lines and he would say something to this point. Now, our next point, he'd pull his glasses up. Our next point may be good for you to memorize because there may be some sort of questioning about this point. And then he'd just continue reading few moments later, he would say, now, if I was a student in this class, I would probably want to remember the next few paragraphs. And he'd just keep going. What was he saying? We all got it. He's saying, hey, there's a test coming. And if you don't know this, you're an idiot. Like I'm telling you, this is it. He'd make that strong suggestion. Maybe it's like the parent, you know, your parent, maybe you had the mom or the dad that they would come in. They'd say, you know, just real quick, if I were you... I might have your room cleaned by dinner. Well, why? I'm just saying if I was you, I would do this. That strong suggestion. They're not telling you, but they're kind of telling you. As you and I come to First Timothy chapter number two, I find Paul giving us a very strong suggestion. And we're gonna look at this today and understand this next guiding truth because Paul wants to give us a strong suggestion that should be a matter of importance in every single person's life. I want you to see it with me. So stand, 1 Timothy chapter two. And we're gonna read verse one down through verse number three of 1 Timothy chapter two. You can look on the Bible there or on the screen as well. And our verses are simply this, Paul writing to Timothy, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, Prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Notice the very first verse again. I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. In these verses, I find Paul saying this. I wanna challenge you with I wanna give you a strong suggestion. Church at Ephesus, I wanna challenge you in the area of prayer. I wanna challenge you in the area of prayer. I'm gonna look this morning, and we're going to discover that Paul challenging the church at Ephesus in the area of prayer, I believe there's some great challenges for us that will strengthen our Christian life in a godless culture that we live in if we would, as Paul challenges, if we'd put some emphasis upon prayer. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to speak to us, and then we'll get into our thoughts this morning. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I would ask you, just in the quietness of your own heart and your own mind right now, would you take some, some time and just commit these next few minutes to the Lord and ask God to speak to you personally? And then before I pray, would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me today, I'm willing to listen to you and I'm willing to respond to you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it applies to our lives. I pray that you would help us in these next few moments. God, that you would challenge us in this area of prayer. And Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As you and I come to Paul's challenge on prayer this morning, I want us to notice, first of all, an encouragement that Paul gives to have prayer as a priority. Make prayer a priority in your life. Now, if you look at verse number one, he says, I exhort, the word exhort means to encourage or to challenge. I challenge you, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Hey, Timothy, I wanna challenge you. I strongly suggest to you that you put a priority on prayer. If you notice the phrase, uh, first of all, I'm sorry, I'm I'm missing some slides, that's okay. If you notice the phrase, first of all, indicates uh, that prayer should be a priority of the believer but also a priority in the church. If you remember Paul, he's writing to not only Timothy, but also to the believers at Ephesus. And he's saying, hey, listen, first of all, make this a priority. Make this something that you do first. Now this goes right along with what Jesus taught. Think about what Jesus taught. Mark chapter 11 and verse number 17, he taught saying unto them, it is not written, my house shall be called the house of all nations, uh, the house, excuse me, my house shall be called of all nations, the house of prayer. But you have made it the den of thieves. If you remember Jesus coming in and the uh, money changers in the marketplace and they're at the house of God and Jesus comes in and says, hey, This isn't a denim. This is not supposed to be for this. My house is supposed to be a house of prayer. That's written about in the Old Testament, written about in the New New Testament. And what you and I need to understand is Paul kind of bringing Timothy back to really an elementary truth of, of Christianity is that, first of all, that emphasis would be put upon prayer. It's sad to see how prayer has lost its importance in church and prayer has lost its importance with believers. Man, so many individuals, we think, we think we've done real well because we prayed for three meals yesterday. You know, I, I prayed God bless the food. I'm doing okay. Listen, I don't believe that would be following the first of all. I don't believe that would be putting prayer as a priority. In the church, it, it's sad that prayer among God's people has just become greatly minimized. One pastor said this, He said, if I announce a banquet, people will come out of the woodwork to attend. But if I announce a prayer meeting, I'm lucky if the ushers show up. Now, one pastor just saying that, but you know what? That kind of just helps us put it into context in today's Christianity. That a lot of Christians, we don't put emphasis on prayer at God's house, and we don't put emphasis at prayer in our own house, in our own life. But here's Paul saying, hey, put emphasis, put priority upon prayer, put priority upon spending time with your heavenly Father. I want you to notice, Paul doesn't just say, hey, Timothy, pray a lot. He says, I wanna give you some specifics about prayer. When When you and I read 1 Timothy chapter two and verse number one, and we read of supplications and prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks, we kind of wrap all of that up into the word prayer. But all of those words kind of mean a little, bit, a little bit different, a few different things. If you notice the first word supplication, supplications carries the idea of offering up a prayer request for a need. Okay, so this would be taking requests to God. Hey, first of all, take your requests to God. All right, the word prayer emphasizes the sacredness of prayer, This is putting an emphasis upon verbally worshiping God. It's putting emphasis upon the relationship. Uh, Praying to God is an act of worship. It's an act of expressing, God, I realize who you are and who I am. And so Paul is writing, hey, listen, take your requests to God, but then remember the emphasis of that relationship and the importance of worshiping God. Not only talk to him, but worship him. That third one is intercessions. Well, the word intercession is, means petitions on behalf of others. This means taking the needs of other people to Christ. This is praying for other people. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you really sincerely prayed? Those of you that are married, when's the last time you sincerely prayed for your spouse? Not that they would just have a change of mind and think better for you. But when's the last time you prayed? God, I just want to pray to you help him walk with you. God, I want to pray to you help my spouse love you. Parents, when's the last time you really prayed for your, your, your teenager, your, your child? And not for them just to not be dumb. <laughs> God, help my 14-year-old to get over being 14. Would you, can, we, can we get to the 19 already, you know? Sometimes parents, we do that, right? Sometimes parents, we, we pray for the problem, but we're not praying for the person. Man, this is Paul writing, hey, first of all, have supplication. Take your request to God, your personal needs. Man, Jesus said, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Cast, or, or, uh, Peter said that. Cast all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's the supplication. Prayers, have that worship. Intercession, man. Go to God on behalf of others. And can I just tell you, go to God on behalf of others, not just people that you know, but people you don't know. God, I wanna pray for my neighbors. I wanna pray that they come to know you as Savior. Intercessions, and then that third one is giving, or that fourth one is giving of thanks. Well, this is pretty obvious. What's it mean? What does giving of thanks mean? You ready for this? This is in the Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. It means to give Thanks. Some of you are really impressed now, huh? You didn't know I knew three languages. It's in Spanish, too. El giveo, thankso. Is that how I say it, Leo? That's not it? Oh, man, you see Leo for the interpretation. Man, what does it mean? It means just to give thanks. Man, just, just be thankful, Thanksgiving should be an important ingredient in our prayer. I mean, times when we just take our prayers to the Lord and we not only give him our requests, we not only worship him, we not only intercede on behalf of others, but we take time just to thank God for things in our life. Let me ask you a question. Do you think gratitude, the word gratitude defines our culture? No, no. But you know what's sad? The word gratitude doesn't define a lot of Christians either. You know, we kind of go through life like, (sighs) God didn't give me what I want. We go through life and we just have this attitude of, oh, poor me. And why can't God do this for me? And why can't God be my genie? And, And we just go through life thinking that. And man, if we would really just stop, I think every one of us could go through a number of things to say, I'm thankful for that. Like small things, we were were reading last night uh, with the kids, we're going through a little devotional book called Indescribable. It's a great little devotional book for the family and we're we're reading through one of the uh, lessons last night, just a little lesson about the earth and about creation and about the solar system and the planets And, and there wasn't like this deep challenge to it other than just, God, thank you for the obvious. Like God, thank you that I can breathe today. If you can walk, God, thank you that I can walk. If you can hear, God, thank you that I can hear. Thank you that I can see. What are are we doing? When we're doing that, we're just simply helping ourselves understand more about our relationship with God that it is all him and not me. And God, thank you for the obvious. Man, having a spirit of giving thanks. We see supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Paul says to Timothy, hey, don't forget about prayer. Prayer is a vital part of the individual life of the church and the individual life of a believer. Did you know that prayer, Paul said, prayer is a, Part of the formula for God's peace in our heart. Prayer brings peace into our life. Philippians four six. Be careful for nothing; you're full of care, worried about nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the next part, the next verse says, "Anybody know? Go to Philippians four seven. I don't have the verse up there. Philippians four seven. I'll just read it if you're listening." It says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, spend time with him, and then God's peace is going to keep your life. God's peace is going to work in your mind and your heart. Think about the importance of prayer. Do you know Jesus put emphasis on prayer? Mark chapter 1, verse 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed Mark 6:46 he had sent the disciples away and he departed into a mountain to pray Luke 6:12 he isolated himself and continued all night in prayer Luke 9:28 uh, after uh, a time teaching Jesus went up into the mountain to pray Luke 11:1 uh, it says it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased his disciples said lord teach us to pray Jesus uh, put emphasis upon prayer, but then also he did teach his disciples to pray. Luke 18, 1, Jesus said this, uh, he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He taught the disciples on prayer. You think about the early church. They put emphasis on prayer, Acts two forty two. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. You know what the sad thing is, is that the prayer life that we, or the the prayer that we see today in the lives of many Christians, it pales in comparison to the prayers of the people, the word of God. And one of the reasons we don't see God work in our life often like we would want or like we, like he wants is because we're not spending time in prayer. I like this one, much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. You say, pastor, what's that mean? If I'm not spending time with God, it's gonna be pretty obvious why God's not working. If you skip down, we won't spend much time to it, but verse number eight, Paul continues talking about prayer a little bit. He says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Paul just gives some verses about how to pray. Lifting up holy hands speaks about the worship of prayer and and the posture. Going to him with the right posture, spiritually speaking, a posture of worship. The phrase without wrath, it means that we're uh, on good terms with people, that we're getting along with others. Doubting, not doubting, suggests that we should pray in faith, trusting the plan and the purpose of God. And but all of this, Paul is just trying to help the believer understand the priority in prayer in your Christian life. And I would ask you as a believer, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, are you spending time with your father or is there a prayer shortage in your life? Do you have prior prayer as a priority? Here's, <coughs> excuse me, Paul writing to Timothy. Hey, Timothy put prayer as a priority. But I want you to notice secondly with me, Paul's encouraged to, encouragement to Timothy to have prayer for those in power. He gets a little more specific here. All right, at the end of verse number one, Paul says, I want you to be praying for all men. How many of you see that there? You see that for all men right there at the end of verse number one. He says, I want you to be praying for all men. Now that phrase, all men, it, it makes it clear that no person on the earth is outside the influence of prayer. All right, I just talk about the all men for just a second. You know what, sometimes uh, we, have, we have a coworker that maybe we don't get along with or a neighbor that we know maybe needs Jesus or maybe it's a, a relative or a spouse that's away from the Lord, whatever the case may be. Praying for all men helps us understand that no one is out of the reach of God. No one's out of the reach of God. You got a problem with that, with that person? Not, not just because you, there's a personality, God changed their personality. We're not talking about uh, um, personal selfish prayer requests. We're talking about seeing something like a husband and a wife that are getting separated and there's a lot going on. And one of them's saying, I really wanna walk with God. And the other one's saying, I want nothing to do with it. You know what God says? Pray about it. Does that mean it's always gonna work? No, because sometimes sometimes people reject God's plan. But it does help us understand that no one is outside of the influence of God. Pray for them. Pray for all men. That's what Paul's writing about. He's urging the church to pray for all men. But then he continues and he urges the church to especially pray for those in authority. Pray for those in authority. I want us to really think about this for a moment. Who was the authority when Paul wrote this letter? Let's think about it. His name was Nero. Nero. Now there's some history buffs here that know some things about history. But if you know a little bit about Nero, he was one of the most ruthless Roman emperors against Christianity. You read about the gladiators and about um, uh, uh, human sacrifices and a lot of that. Much of that started under the reign of Nero. Ephesus was a leading city in that time with very uh, heavily Roman influence. Paul was sitting in a prison moments away, days away from being beheaded simply for believing in Jesus Christ. And yet he writes, pray for Nero. And do you notice he doesn't write, uh, pray for their judgment. That's what we like to do, right? When we have a leader, maybe that we don't like, it might be a Democrat president or a Republican president or an independent president, whatever it might be. We're just like, God, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pray for you. Yeah, I'm gonna pray for him. Your Lord, I pray the judgment of God. That's not what Paul's getting at. Notice what he says. He says, hey, pray for them. But if you look at the verse, he says, pray for all that are in authority so that or in order that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. That phrase, in all godliness, or a quiet and peaceable life, the early church was often subject to opposition and persecution. And Paul was saying it's wise to pray for those that are in authority. And here's why. The word quiet refers to circumstances around us, while peaceable refers to a calm attitude within us. Hey, pray for them. Pray for your leaders. Why? Because maybe, just maybe they'll loosen up and your circumstances will quiet down. But if not, that God would give you a peaceable, affable spirit towards them, that God would give you a humble spirit towards them. And I just want us to know this morning that you and I, while we, while we too can look at, at the uh, uh, book of 1 Timothy and be challenged with this, that we need to understand that this is a direct challenge not only to the church at Ephesus and Timothy, but a direct challenge to us as well. Be praying for those in authority. I ask you this morning, um, and I'll tell you this, that we are not living in a time under Nero. We're not living, uh, we know nothing. We, we know absolutely nothing of the persecution that generations past have faced. We know nothing of the executions that took place in the, uh, underneath the kings of England and queens of England and Bloody Mary. We have no idea of all of that. We, we know nothing. We don't know right now about the persecution in China that's taking place of people who profess Jesus Christ. And we know nothing of the persecution of North Korean believers who are literally being laid out and rolled over with steamrollers. We know nothing about that. The The news doesn't tell you that. We know nothing about that. And yet we still don't pray for our leaders. Listen, if they can pray for their completely godless leader under the circumstances that they were given, if Paul can say, let's pray for our leaders, I'm about to be killed by one, but I'm still praying for him. And he wasn't praying in bitterness. He's praying in humility. God save him. If, if Paul can pray for Nero, then what's our excuse? I tell you, our leaders need prayer. Our country needs Prayer. And when's the last time you prayed for our president? Like him or not, when's the last time you prayed for him? When's the last time you prayed for our vice president, Mike Pence? Listen, I, we, I don't apologize for encouraging people to get involved in politics, but I, I, I love Mike Pence. What a great Christian testimony that, that we can see. Now, I don't know him personally. But from what we can tell, man, Mike Pence has a walk with, I believe Mike Pence is the Daniel of our era. He's close to the president and using that influence. Man, let's pray for him. What about Governor Jay Inslee? Yeah. Yeah. I was good with praying for the president. I agree with like 50% of what he does. I'm good with praying for Pence. He's a good guy but what'd you just say? (laughs) Hey, listen, it's not Governor Nero. It's a man that needs Jesus Christ. Does he make some decisions all of us disagree with? Yeah. But can we still pray for him? Yeah. Man, praying for him. How about Senator, about Senator Patty Murray? I met Patty Murray a number of years ago in Washington, D.C., and was trying to converse, talk with her and have a conversation. And the extent of the conversation was, Senator Murray, I'm Dennis Fountain, the pastor of Moses Lake Baptist. And I just wanna let you know our church is praying for you. Is there anything special I can pray for you? And oh, nice to meet you. Smile for a picture. Have a good day. That was the extent of our conversation. But you know what I left thinking and being challenged with? When's the last time I prayed for her? Man, praying for her. What about our Senator Maria Cantwell? I've met her. What about praying for her? Praying for these people. How about our Congressman Dan Newhouse? Oh, no, we'll say, oh, I'll pray for him. He's been to our church before. I like him. Man, yeah, amen. Pray for New, I like him. He he needs prayer. Man needs prayer. How about our uh, Senator Judy Warnick for our local district, or Congressman Tom Dent, or our new Congressman Alex Yibara, Praying for him. What what about our our mayor? Miss Karen, who's been here before, our city council, David Cornell, Ryan Leonard, Don Myers, Dean Hankins, uh, Daryl Jackson, Michael Riggs. How about our sheriff, Tom Jones? How about our Moses Lake police chief, Kevin Fuhrer? How about our military and our first responders? What I'm trying to get at is you're seeing it in black and white, just like I am. Pray for all men, for kings, and look at the next part, for all that are in authority. Man, praying for people. We need to pray for these in authority. You say, pastor, what do we pray for? And I missed all this, it's on here. I'm gonna skip through this and you can see it. You say, pastor, what do we pray for? Let me give you just a few thoughts. You know what you pray for? Number one, pray for their salvation. If they don't know the Lord, I I pray that they would come to know Jesus Christ as their savior. Number two, pray for God to help them. God, just help them. Keep them encouraged. Number three, pray for God to turn their hearts to him not only for salvation, but that they would just seek God's wisdom. When I write our officials, I write to them, and I'm not shy about it. I write to them. I'm praying that you will seek God's wisdom because you need it just like I need it. Pray for for them to not only seek after God, but pray for them to find encouragement from God. Can I tell you, pray for their families. We're just looking at scripture. It's in black and white before us. Hey, I wanna challenge you I want to challenge you personally, supplication, prayer, intercession, giving of thanks. Do that for all men, but also for kings and for those that are in authority. Why? So that you can have a quiet, peaceful, quiet life and and God's peace within. And don't we, we need to know and understand that praying for those in authority, that is a principle taught in scripture. And you and I, we say, well, I don't agree with them. I don't like them. I bet you Paul didn't really like Nero. I mean, from what I read about Nero, I don't know if I would have liked him. And I like everybody most of the time. I don't think Paul liked Nero. He didn't like what he was doing. Paul still prayed for him. And let's pray for our leaders. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, hey, pray for everyone, but especially pray for those in authority. Timothy, make prayer a priority. Timothy, I want you to have prayer for those in power. But Timothy, let me show you something. That prayer, it's precious. Prayer's precious. Notice verse number three of our passage. First Timothy two, three. For this prayer, it's good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. This phrase, good and acceptable, they would go along with the words of fair and, beautiful. The emphasis here is on the idea of something not just being intrinsically good, but also good in its effect. Certainly, prayer in and of itself is good, but prayer also brings about good benefits, and one of those benefits is that prayer, it's precious to God. It's precious to him. You say, why, Pastor? Don't miss Don't miss this point, because it's precious to the Father when His children pray and spend time with Him. And I, God desires for His children to spend time with Him, because He knows that that time grows our relationship with Him. You see, God wants us to pray, not simply just to give us something to do, but God wants us to pray to understand our dependence upon him, to remember his importance in our life and to deepen our relationship with him as our savior and our father. Did you know God's time with you, it's precious to him? Those of you that have kids, you'll understand this. Those of you that don't, you have a parent and you you might be able to look back and understand this. I know with our kids, you know, sometimes we, uh, because of uh, just ministry and different things, sometimes we're in a busy, I, I get in a busy season. And as much as I planned it not to be, January was a busy season, we were gone the first week, had a few days of vacation, Monday to Friday, and we were gone, spent some time together. But then we flew back and Monday, I was on a plane to Oklahoma and back on Friday. And then the next uh, Monday, I had to get back in the office. The following Monday, I was on a plane to Las Vegas for a meeting and back on Wednesday night. And, and so it was just boom, 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 boom. But when I got home, when my kids came and said, hey, dad, can we hang out tonight? Can we spend some time together? That was awesome. Amen. Little Lena the other day, uh, she, I think she had an ul- ulterior motive to this, but I don't know what it was still. So I'm just gonna pretend like she didn't. The other day, I, I was gonna go, uh, we were gonna go door knocking and we do, still do outreach and, uh, during the week. And so me and some of the guys were gonna go door knocking and Dennis comes with me doing homeschool. He comes here and, and does some work here with me often. And so Lena Friday, she said, hey, dad. She's all bundled up. She's like, Dad, can I go with you today? I said, Well, yeah, I'm gonna be going door knocking. She goes, I know. That's why I'm bundled up. I w- I want to go door knocking with you, Dad. And can I tell you, we went out door knocking. We were all it was cold. We were only out for about 45 minutes. But our conversation it was awesome. I loved it. And she's telling me about her future. And she's just she's just a little girl just talking about everything. And she's talking about conversations with people at church. And if you know Lena, she can talk well. I don't know where she gets it. I really don't, because you all know how shy I am. I mean, I'm, I'm such an introvert. But Lena, she, she was just talking. And I got home, and I began to share the conversation with my wife, and I was just laughing about it. But you know what? That time, as a father with his child... Her talking to me, it was precious. And as I was studying and preparing for this message and putting some final thoughts into it and thinking about it, I just thought, you know, it's even more with God in us. That when you spend time praying and talking with God, God says, that's good, that's acceptable, that's precious to me. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to talk with me. I'm not telling you to do this because I'm trying to put my thumb down and be like, you need to realize. God's saying it's precious because of our relationship. And if you love someone, you're going to want to spend time with them. And that's God saying to us, I want to spend time with you. And God's time with his children, truly, it's precious. You know what? When I spend time with him, it's pleasing, it's acceptable to him, it's precious to him. But the sad thing is that often we miss out on that because we don't spend time with him. We don't pray. We miss the first of all. We miss the I, ex- I exhort therefore. I want to close this morning just by simply asking you this question. And the question is this, how is your relationship with God? How is it growing through prayer right now? Is it growing through prayer? Are you spending time with them? Is it more than just mealtime prayer or more than just needy prayer? You know what needy prayer is, right? When I need something, that's the only time I go to him. Isn't it amazing that sometimes when we hit rock bottom, that's when we turn to God. Man, may we today decide, you know what? I'm not gonna be the needy one that just hits rock bottom to turn to him. I'm gonna spend time with him this week. Not only that supplication taking my request, but also worship, also interceding, praying for others, also giving of thanks because I'm going to spend time with my Lord because I love him. And because I know that that time with me that he spends, it's precious. You see, when you and I spend time with God, it deepens and grows our relationship with him. But maybe you're here this morning and maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And so I ask you that question. Do you have that relationship? Do you know that Jesus Christ is your savior. You see, I can tell you something this morning that there's a great life-changing news inside of God's word about the fact that you can have a relationship with God all because of what Jesus did. You can know your sins are forgiven. You can have eternal life in heaven. You can have a daily relationship with him if there's been a time in your life when you've received him as your savior. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter three. He said this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know what, Jesus Christ came to the earth so that you could have a relationship with God. And if you're here and you don't know Christ as your savior, you don't know if you have a relationship with God, You can have a relationship by putting your faith and your trust in him, by realizing that Jesus died on the cross for you. He gave his life and he died for your sin and for my sin. He died in your place and died in my place so that I could spend eternity with him and have that relationship. And if you're here and you'd say, well, I've been baptized before. Baptism cannot get you to heaven. I've been a good person. Being a good person, that's great, but it cannot get you to heaven. Well, I'll try better. I'll turn over a new leaf. All of that is wonderful, but it cannot cannot get you a relationship with God. You and I, our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. We cannot attain a relationship with God in and of ourselves. No, we need a mediator. What is a mediator? It's a go-between. We need what Jesus did on the cross. You need to understand that he died on the cross for your sin. You need to understand that when he died and rose again, he was doing that completely for you, all because of his love for you, for God's soul, loved you, that he gave himself. You say, why would he do that relationship? God doesn't, listen, God doesn't want you to receive him just so you can live with him for eternity. He doesn't want it just so you can have your sins forgiven. God wants you to receive Jesus because he wants a relationship with you, because he loves you. And his relationship with you and I is so important that he gave his life to die for it. And if you're here and you don't know that Jesus Christ is your savior, can I tell you today you could know that. How could I know it? By asking him to forgive you of your sin and to be your savior. It's a time when you say, Jesus, I realize I can't get myself to heaven. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and be my savior. But for those of you that do know Christ as your savior, I want you to think about it this way. If our relationship was so important to him that he died for it. Don't you think a good response for us would be, it's gonna be important enough for me that I'll spend time with you? No longer am I just gonna be the three-meal prayer person. No, I'm gonna realize that prayer needs to be a priority. And yes, I'm gonna pray for all men, pray for those in power, but I'm gonna realize that prayer, it's precious to him. God is interested in a growing relationship of you and him. He's not giving you prayer just to give you something to do. He's saying it's gonna grow our relationship. You want a stronger relationship with him this week? Be a person of prayer. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, start your relationship today by asking him to forgive you of your sin and to come into your life. i like every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, I wanna thank you for the day, and I pray that you'd help us as we have a time of invitation, God, I pray that you would just help us this morning to understand that you want to have a relationship with us. Now, before I close my prayer, I wanna ask a couple of questions. The first one is this. If you're here and you'd be honest, you'd say, Pastor, I know I'm going to heaven. I know I have a relationship with God. I know I've received Jesus Christ as my savior. If that's you, would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know that. Just right up and right back down. If you know that today, how's your prayer relationship with him? Is it a priority in your life? Maybe today you'd say it hasn't been a priority like it needs to be. If God's spoken to you about that, I wanna challenge you to respond to him during the invitation. But if you're here and you'd be honest, and I'm not gonna call you by name, you'd be honest today, you'd say, pastor, you mentioned having a relationship with God. I don't know that I have that. I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you by name. I'm not gonna come to you right now. But if that's you, pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that I have a relationship with God. If that's you this morning, we're gonna have what's called an invitation. We invite you to come and someone will take a Bible and they'll show you what God says about eternity. As I close my prayer, we'll get into the invitation. If God's spoken to you, let's respond. Dear God, I pray that you'd help us today to respond to you as you have already spoken to us about the matter of prayer, that we would catch the guiding truth. Lord, that we would understand that you have given us the challenge through Paul. that would make prayer a priority in our lives. Help us to deepen our relationship with you through prayer. I pray for those that don't know they're going to heaven, that you'd help them today to come to know you as their personal savior. Bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit MosesLakeBaptistChurch.com.